the Good Pals Podcast with Matt Stock and Zach Stevens. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 12 of the Good Pals Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stock. And as always, I'm up in the lab on Lake Linden with my producer, my co-host, and my good pal, Mr. Zachary Stevens. Stevens. Hey, Maddie. How you doing, buddy? I'm agitated. Oh. Right now. Let's get right into it. Yeah. We just got like we had we got into an argument like three two one on the way into hitting the record button. Well, I think I think you said fuck you, and I said I'm gonna hit record. <laughs> <laughs> and then I messed up the intro again. That's like the second time in three episodes. That's okay. We had to re-record it. It was a it was a it was a small argument though. It's no big deal. Yeah. It was a little bickering. A little emotions. Are yeah, we're just bickering a little bit. We're coming off a rough weekend. Like an action-packed weekend. Still recuperating. For real, yeah, you can tell. I have, you know, Siggy and Bourbon voice, of course. What? What do you call it? Siggy and Bourbon? Yeah, yeah, you know, like too many cigs, too many drinks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? You can't really do much yelling at a golf tournament. You can't lose your voice doing that. Oh. A golf tournament I did not attend, by the way. The RBC Heritage. No, you didn't go. I did go and um, took my dad there Saturday and got obliterated. You guys had a good time, though, man. Yeah, it was a great time. I saw you later that night. We hung out for a little bit at the world famous Cool Cats Lounge. My bank account didn't think I had a good time. I thought, well, yeah. The day drinking at the tournament can be expensive. Depending on what bar you go to after the tournament could be expensive. Yeah. New bars reopening around here with some wildly increased drink prices. Tell you what, pretty expensive to go and see a nice guy show these days. Who knew? Anyway, your silence is deafening. But it was a good ter- it was a good heritage weekend. We had a good time, um, whether we win or didn't go. But there's been a bit of recuperation that's needed. Oh yeah, yeah. You told me I was the happiest guy in the bar Saturday night. You were for sure. You were really, and you usually are. You're never like. Well, first of all, you rarely get intoxicated. No, yeah. So I'm a, I don't drink often, but when I do, I think you know I'm already here. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go to the, the the. Let's push it to the limit. Yeah, sure. You go pretty big. The danger zone. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, you were great, man. You were super high spirits. We had a good old time. But what did I say to you about when I drank? I wish I'd delete all the what's off my phone. Apps. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because we're going to talk about getting a little risky today. All right. I didn't think you were going to talk about it. I'll talk about getting risky. I'm just saying. I mean, we don't got to go in depth. I'm just saying. I don't know why, but I wake up and I look at my phone and I just groan. I go. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't feel too bad because I told you I felt like on Heritage Saturday I was getting a little risky mm. at the record store because I had, a, I had a big night the night before worked. We hung out and had a little after party at the lounge afterwards. So I wasn't feeling su- super great. So I decided to shampoo a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. or hair of the dog as it were. Cause we have some, we you know we have some booze. We have a little bar card at the record store um, over at Mojo's, which is nice. And um, I started drinking a little bit of bourbon. The next thing I knew, I was like, Ooh, it's going to kind of get a loosey goosey. He's getting near the end of the shift there. And I saw a lot of people were coming off the course, you know, so I was testing the waters out a little bit. Yeah, see, I drank beer all day at the festival, and typically when I drink beer, I just, like, lose all bearings. I just, like, go full, full, you know what. You don't bang shots or anything like that? mostly stick to the beer? Uh, I did when I got out and saw my buddies playing music. That's when the shots, I started just banging hornitos left and right. You allegedly jumped on stage at the boardroom with the nice guys who performed. Dude, if any of my friends and the nice guys, I think Nick listens to the show, I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, let me know what song Zach played with you guys because he doesn't remember. I don't remember. I got up and he has, sang. He has no recollection. Ugh. Anyways. Yeah, but it was fun for all of us. Now we get to do it again in 364 days. Can't wait. 
Congratulations to, uh, what's his name? Matt Fitzpatrick. Matt Fitzpatrick wins a three-hole playoff against defending champion Jordan Spieth. Kind of cool to see Jordan yeah. go down to the wire again. Yeah. yeah, maybe Jordan will become starting to get like associated with her- with heritage. You know, like this is his you know tour. He does pretty well in the year. Yeah, but um, so great crowds, record crowds, great weather, debauchery as usual. Like and, nothing Hilton Head ever sees every year. And I was super psyched about got a ticket for my dad and took my old man out there. And yeah, that's, that's all I really wanted to do from the jump. I don't care about going and drinking for a day on Hilton Head. I've done it for most of my life, but like. Getting to just walk around that place with my dad was just, that's fun. You've been going out drinking in Hilton Head for most of your life? My, the, the parts I can remember that matter. I would say, I mean, I haven't drank anywhere else in my life. I've never gone out drinking with you, I don't think ever. We encounter each other. Yeah, we encounter each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Or it's a show or, yeah. Do you want to start a night with me some night? I mean, I don't <laughs> I need a break. Matt's kind of over me today. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the case at all. I love you, buddy. I'm just over, I'm over a lot of things today, guys. I'm a little grouchy today, but we're still gonna have, we got a lot of cool shit to talk about. But we're gonna I'll, I'll turn my grouchiness into humor, as I can usually do. I'm sure you guys are shocked to hear that I'm grouchy like that hasn't been a regular thing lately. <laughs> but uh, hey, things can always be worse, man. So beautiful day, um, as usual in the Low Country, and we spent it like we have the past couple weeks seeing a bad movie. So we're gonna talk about that later. But first, we're going to do some intro stuff. Do you have any stuff to talk about? Intro news stuff, Stevens? Um, I mean, I can give our quickest succession recap episode of all time. Well, but before we get to succession, because I have a little bit to say about that. Okay. Uh, but a little bit of sports news that I'm pretty happy about today. Oh, you mean like outside of Yeah, like what we're culture? watching. Yeah, no stuff hmm. like that. No, I'm just inserting this because it's big sports news. Yeah. Because my quarterback, Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles, has become the highest paid player in NFL history this morning. With a five-year, $255 million contract. With how much guaranteed? 179.9. He deserves it. And the guy lost a Super Bowl this year. He got there, didn't he? I'm just talking shit. Yeah. Go Panthers. Good luck with that. <laughs> so, yeah, Jalen Hurts, probably, the you know, he's a top-five quarterback. He's elite. He just got paid shit for his first three seasons. Uh, I think he deserves it. Oh, uh, he took peanuts to be the quarterback there for a little bit? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he made, like, less than a million dollars last year. Damn. Yeah, he's in like he's a rookie contract, dude. Wow. Like he took he took small and he was he was drafted as a backup. Hmm. You know, at the time it still looked like uh, you know, there was going to be Carson Wentz there leading the way, with him as the backup. But that all, you know, I'm glad it went that way. That he ended up being a guy, and uh, I got nothing but faith in him. I think we're going to be back there this year at the big one. See if we can get around Big Red and the Chiefs could be tough. Andy Reid, man, tough to beat. But exciting news for Eagles fans. Huge contract, athletes overpaid, maybe. But if you want to base it on the market for the position, I think it's fair, and I think the kid deserves it, and I'm excited. It's because he's got a no-trade clause, so we got it for five more years. He is our quarterback, but big deal because it's the biggest contract, you know, in league history. Hmm. I'm excited for football. It's a little while away, but hopefully time starts moving fast. So, yeah, I want to talk about that in Heritage a little bit. Um, it was kind of a busy week. I didn't get to like really see or check anything else out that was new. I will double down, though, on my suggestion from last week. Um, the show Beef on Netflix. It's a 10-episode miniseries about like a road rage incident gone wrong. I went through all the details of it last week, but I was about halfway through it, and I finished it up this weekend, and uh, it's just it's great. I highly, highly, highly recommend checking it out. Heard. Yeah. You watch anything cool this week? Uh, no. I've been too busy. I've just been gig, pretty gig-oriented, working hard, and then... um. And then drinking a lot this week. Yeah. 
Not characteristic for you. No. Yeah. Why are sucks. you looking at me like that? What's going on? Nothing, nothing's going on. Are you all right, man? I'm okay. Yeah. Succession. I feel like I just have nothing to offer right now. That's how I feel. It's okay, man. <laughs> so I mean, it's not okay, really, because we're recording podcasts right now. We want to entertain the people, which we will. I'll get you going. We'll let it fire under you, bud. It's going to be okay. So you said you have a really short recap for Succession. I mean, yeah, I was just going to say it felt very filler. You said a lot happened. A lot did happen, but I mean, like, not enough to write home about. Yeah, well, we, when we usually do Succession, we made an exception last week because there was a, a very big event happened with Logan dying, right? The death of Logan Roy and whatnot. But we do keep it light on spoilers, and I'll do that today. So, But after you have a big episode like that, and I think in a lot of television series, you'll have a come down coming off an episode like that. Sure. And um, and this is, you know, sort of like a, um, this is a resetting the board episode. Like, okay, what's going on now? Now it's succession time. Who shall succeed? Um, and I don't know if we got any clear answers. We're, and I won't go into the total details of it, but it looks like there's a temporary answer under very weird circumstances. But um, I think it was, a, it was a plotting and scheming episode that takes place at Logan's you know, former uh, residents in New York City. Yeah, and we get to vi- revisit with some old guests that... We do welcome back an old bad guy, yeah. Marsha, the ex-wife. Yeah, who we didn't want to see ever again. Man, she's a chilly one, isn't she? I don't like her. Yeah, she's like so, so full of like quiet menace. And I love this. So they were estranged, and yeah. you know, if you're a fan of the show, you know that Logan has been banging his secretary for <laughs> m- months, Carrie. Carrie. And as soon as Marsha shows up, the first words to come out of her mouth to anyone is, we talked intimately on the phone day and night every day. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. She's like, and then she said, and then in the room that when she was talking to the kid, she's like, and every evening, he wasn't talking to her. No, absolutely not. Yeah. She's saying that to set this tone of like, I'm going to be a part of this money. Yeah, yeah. Dude. That, I don't think, I don't think, I think they're probably completely estranged, right? She's a fucking leech, dude. Man, she is, isn't she? She's a blood, she's, she's a blood sucker. She's crafty, though. She's crafty. I guess. I don't know. I feel like she's taking advantage of Do you think she'll continue being a pain in the ass or do you figure she sold the apartment to Connor for $63 million and she's out? I don't think that sale is going to go through. You don't think so? He, got, no. he was going to put $100 million into the presidential uh, of the candidacy just to maintain one point, one point percentage of the vote, you know? $100 million. Connor's the best. Yeah, he's, he's, really, he's growing on me quite a bit this season. Um, I like him too. Compared to all the fuck dysfunctional craziness of the rest of them, but I thought that he's got his own mellow dysfunctional craziness. I thought the Marsha stuff was pivotal, but I thought what mattered the most was, um, well, one there was a piece of paper that kind of it it, it was a Logan had drew this document up before his death. <laughs> if they found it in the safe, they found it in the safe, and they were basically like trying to carbon date it using like the watermarks of like work. Yeah, I mean, done. it's like it's like a it's like a printed word document, you know. It's not yeah. like anything. It's like legally notarized or anything. It's a few paragraphs and some like written some shit written in pen or pencil on the bottom of the piece of paper. Yeah, but that they're acting like it's going to dictate the future of Waystar Royco. And on that paper, it says, you know, I'd leave this to my son Kendall, but it's crossed out. Or is it underlined? It's you crossed. It's crossed out. I think Kendall thinks it's underlined. Well, I think course. everyone else thinks it's crossed out. Yeah. But um, so that kind of, you know, stuck a, a a wedge in the family dynamic once more, as it does quickly. And I think we saw, you know, the, uh, we saw some of the desperation in people uh, coming out, like um, a couple of people that are probably on the bubble since Logan passed away. 
yeah. are doing everything they can to stay relevant. Uh, what was, and what of, was Tom's repeating line this episode? <laughs> I'm here to serve. I'm here, dude. That who's the who's the who's the board guy? Fuck, what's his name? Who like eviscerated him? Carl. Carl. That was one of the funniest things. Oh my god, that scene was great. Maybe they say you're a, a fumbling interloper. Um, and instead of it goes on and just totally roasted, like saying as a friend, you know? So yeah, Tom, like, but somebody who's in an even worse position is the aforementioned Carrie. Well, I think, I think we're done with Carrie. Oh, she's, but what a, for all that menace and like power she was building up and stuff. And she was a good source of humor with all the, the news audition stuff that was happening. Yeah. But she is a bad guy. You know, we kind of wanted to see her get yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. When we see her get it, it's kind of like, I felt bad for her. Me too. Right. In a weird way. Why is that? That's, I mean, that's good writing, and that's a good show. <sighs> when like someone's a real turd, and then when they get it, you're like, oh, man, well, hmm. it didn't have to be that bad. I think I think in that scene, because you hate Marsha more. Yeah, and Cousin Greg. Well, Cousin Greg's trying to act a little Logan-y now. Sniveling. Yeah. He's a bit sniveling. Well, I mean, if you get thrown out of every room that you go into, you know, you probably build up some anger, and then, you know, Greg finally found himself. With an apple that was, you know, lower on the tree than him. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And so he sort of, <laughs> him and Marsha sort of, what an odd, what an odd couple to end up going in on Carrie. But um, I think we've seen the last of Carrie on succession. So yeah. Bye, Carrie. You were cute. It was fun while it lasted. Via con Dios. Um, what other, there's some other stuff early in the episode uh, of an addition to the, to the Roy family is coming. No, I don't think, no. I don't think that's a huge spoiler. No, do you think that's. That's what that conversation entailed. Yeah, really? I thought I thought so. In the beginning, no, of the dude, she's, yeah, said, she's pregnant. They said you were coming in for your twenty week uh, scan. Oh my god, that's what was said. Yeah, man, Tom and Shiv are having a baby. Yeah, well, I just spoiled the succession for my own co-host live on the air. Well, no, I thought what that was. You thought she was, was having like health issues? No, no, no. no. I, I understand that it would, they were talking about like reproductive. Yeah, stuff. But I, I guess I must have just missed the tidbit about like you're coming in for your like was that like first 20, trimester? Like a Twenty weeks. Yeah, scan. It's five months. Wow. Yeah, it's the second trimester. But yeah, she's pregnant. Is it Tom's? Gotta be. I mean, yeah, but well, they had an open relationship, so hard to say. Wow. But uh, I think she had been pretty exclusive with Tom. I don't think she was really involved in other. Affairs at that time, but as always, it's hard for me to keep the time frame straight on succession. Do you feel bad that Shiv keeps getting? Here, here's something I want to say. Why does Shiv keep getting like the low men on the totem pole treatment about getting the job when Roman and Kendall are both like, "Oh, well, you have no actual in field experience." It's like, well, anything they've ever done in field has just been a massive fuck up yeah. and failure. And she, well, she was, you know, in the, in the early days of the series, you know, she was out doing her own thing. Political stuff. She yeah. was happy about that. Yeah, and she was good at it, too. I think very highly respected. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think she's got plenty of potential to do stuff, but she definitely... I always thought if it was out of the four of them, it should be Shiv. Yeah, I've thought that before, too, though. My um, mind changes about it. I almost feel like it's an old school way of thinking with them, you know? I hate to say because I, I think because she's like a female, I think they sort of give her shit about that. The whole optics. Or, be, or because she left, you know, because she left and then sort of came back into the fold. It could be a lot of things. They're a bunch of fucking jackals, you know? But that's why we love them. Hmm. Yeah. So, in a way, you know, definitely sort of like a sort of like a slowdown, a slowdown episode. Yeah, but... But I think it sets... I think, we'll, I think it'll maybe be a little more foot on the gas. They're setup punches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Do you think... Um, oh, did you, you know, Barry came back on HBO last night. Yeah, but dude, fuck. I um, 
I'm not gonna lie. I I failed on I failed Barry. Did you start watching it? I saw two seasons and quit watching it. Oh, okay. I started. I was gonna say I started watching it right after Succession last night, huh. and I got like 15 minutes into it. I'm like, this is too weird. Like I, I was like, yeah, into it. It's kind of a bummer, man. That's what I hear. I hear now it's like entirely sad and like the humor's kind of out of it. Yeah, Bill Hader. I think Bill Hader's. Moving into the drama, lo- yeah, drama zone. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's working through some shit through this show. I mean, I have no idea. That's huh. complete speculation. I mean, how the fuck would I know? But um, the, the lightness that was to it is gone. And now it's just sort of become like a bummer show. Hmm. An ego project, what I want to say. Like, yeah. It's taking itself too seriously, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe the fourth season will get... Batteries because Barry season one and two is beloved by for sure. And uh, well, yeah, what I think what I'm saying is, I don't think we're gonna be doing Barry recaps on the pod, yeah, fair. Yeah. I, but I will say this if you do feel like watching Barry and want to start from the beginning, I have many friends that tell me it's some of the best seasons of TV they've ever seen. Yeah, they're very good. I love season one and two, and I think uh, Mr. Cusimo, uh, Win- Harvey Winkler is that his name, Henry Winkler, yeah. Henry, Henry Winkler's yeah. uh. Character, sorry, I can't believe I just botched his name. No, he's really is uh, one of the funniest people I've ever seen on mm-hmm. screen. He's yeah. a he's a he's a fucking shyster acting coach, <laughs> he's, yeah. and he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I got well, you know, mixed bag on uh, on Barry, and I, I don't know if it's getting stretched out too long, but it's, I think it's just a point in the plot where everyone's sort of on the rocks and everyone's facing consequences for their actions, and that can be a bummer sometimes, but. It was burped into the mic here, that, Steven? I did. We had a good lunch today. Edit that That out. was a bit of a sautéed onion burp. Jesus Christ. What did we have for lunch today? Uh, we went to the Why dispens- did you say Jesus Christ like that? I just said we had lunch somewhere and I burped. <laughs> no, no, the You're burp. You're talking like I just did said something offensive. or did? You know, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, that burp was for real. Yeah, that was nice. I think it's because I have cans on it. I really got the full effect <laughs> of it. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like I burped. Living it. Really living it. Well, you, we have this all this good hi-fi equipment here, you know? Yeah, well. That's, that's the whole thing. We get the good stuff. We went to uh, the dispensary today in downtown Boston. dispensary. Yeah, it was good. It is a good restaurant, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the better spots, I think, to eat out here. Uh, we've discussed French onion soup on the show before. Oh, yeah. You made it on one episode. Mm-hmm. It was back in the day when we used to cook before the show. You remember that? So nice. We can do that again. Really? I can think we though? You said we cooked. I think yeah. I cooked. Well, you I don't know. It was like a nice treat for me. Like, well, you you like to have control of the situation. You have to sort of have your setup and let's do it again. It's like a it's Dude, like I'll a, come over and do prep, you know? Like I don't It's like a married couple. It's like we need to find that thing that brings a fire back into our <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? I got a couple recipes. I could make something some night. Are we out of the cupcake phase of this podcast? Yeah. What's the cupcake phase? That's like the honeymoon phase? Yeah. I don't think so. Me either. I don't think so. Now we're in denial. Well, judging by last week's numbers, <laughs> though, yeah, we probably are. <laughs> we need a guest. Thanks for hanging in there with us, people. <laughs> we love you guys. Yeah, but uh, we know we do have we have talked about some guests coming up soon, and we missed a window on some, and feel bad, but so we're gonna keep we're gonna keep the ship right ship righted. Sorry, and we'll probably get back to some dinners. Yeah, of course. Was, this week, there's uh, <laughs> we make excuses every week, but this week was heritage. Come on. I think pretty much everyone probably chilled out last night. Yeah, my life is pretty much back to normal until I go to New York. Besides that, man, I am a very chill, very, you know. Trip to the Big Apple coming up for you. Yeah, dude. I'm Tell pumped. everyone about that. What's going on? Um, I surprised my my little brother with a surprise four-day trip to New York City. Nick, 
Yep, Nick. Big fan of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Brother of the pod. It's turning 21, so I'm taking him up to the city. We're going to hit the comedy cellar, eat good foods, maybe drink a little. If it's, a le- it's If it's legal for him. Yeah, the big 2-1. Yeah. Where do you want to take him for his first stop? I was thinking McSorley's Old Ale House. <laughs> McSorley's is cool. I think that's like the oldest pub in America, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. one yeah. of them. Yeah, it's the oldest. Yeah. So no, I think that I think it's I think it's definitely a worthwhile stopping. Absolutely, absolutely. And plus, worthwhile. I've heard that place is like that's not a place you sit and hang out. Don't, no. don't they kind of funnel people out? No, no I mean, well, I was just in there a couple months ago, but it was slow, so it wasn't. Like, but you like you, there. you just get a pint, and you keep moving. Yeah, you right? take a look around at the stuff on the walls, and you know, take in a little bit of the history, and then you're, you can be on your way. Nice. All they have is two beers. They don't have anything else. But what's a beer cost? Light and dark. What's it cost? Seventy five dollars a piece. Another cheap dress are like two bucks or something. Oh, what? That's awesome. The mugs are a little bit smaller. Never see pictures of the bartenders holding like. No, I guess I'll look it up. We have. Yeah, the... yeah, it's very cool. Um, Light and dark. What'd you get? Like so, it's like a pilsner and yeah, a stout. Yeah, no, it's not even. It's, a, it's not even like stout. Just like a like a. I think it's like a, a dark. Lager. It's like a lager. Yeah, a lager. Like a okay. Lager. Yeah, look up pictures of some of the bartenders there with their um doing their their beer carries. It's cool. But um, oh, they stack them and shit. They don't stack them. It's just how many they manage to um, they manage to hold them one time. You see, like I don't know, probably like 12, 13 mugs. Two kinds of ale, light or dark, and a salt and sawdust on the floor. Yeah, sawdust on the floor. That's true. What does that mean? Like like actual sawdust <laughs> oh, yeah. on the yeah. floor? Uh huh. I mean, it's not that much bigger than that back room right there. Right, me and Martin were sitting right at the center of that bar. Martin Lesh, once. we're talking about. Yeah, our pal Martin Lesh. Um, the bartender pictures with all the uh, with Whoa, all the Whoa, that's a crazy beer. Yeah, beer. yeah, dude. This place looks sick. Yeah, it's cool. So, I mean, so now, what's what's on this street as well? Are you are you like New York savvy? No, me either. Yeah, no. I don't know. I was uh, expelling every bit of energy I have in my body to keep up with Martin on foot that I couldn't like keep track of landmarks and stuff. Everywhere. He was hoofing it. Yeah, we'd be moving, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I'd be like, "Oh shit, here's McSorley's right here. Let's go in." Yeah, look at old boy there. Look at all them beers. I'm yep. excited. Darker light, um, really cheap, and it's good. It's tasty beer. And I'm trying to figure out now, like what I'm going to do uh, as far as my brother and I share this love for stand-up comedy. So yeah. we got to hit the cellar, which is like you know, roughly a, a version of mecca for comedians, especially sure. New York comedians. And um, but they won't drop. Who's going to be there while we're there? They'll know. We'll know within a week. Okay. How, when what? I bought my tickets, I bought my tickets like a week or two in advance, and I knew the whole ticket for that night. Okay, cool. So it wasn't hard to get reservations. No, now it's really no. Okay, you cool. could probably look it up right now and see they got it. But I, I, but did, I, I remember getting mine. Like, yeah, they'll, they'll they'll have it up shortly. Okay, it's worth it. You're going to that late show, right? We're gonna go to one of them, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I'm I'm taking my one of my best pals and his girlfriend up there as well. And uh, Ben Huey's who we got to get on the pod. Oh yeah, yeah. He's so well versed. I'm his, sure uh, there's I'm sure there's something coming up soon that's really in his like, in his wheelhouse. I'll be able to check in with him and see if he wants to come on and talk about something soon. Yeah. Maybe he could do, you know, he could do the flash with us. Oh, he would crush that. Yeah, I think that, let's, yeah. When does that come out, July? Has, he, has Ben listening to the pod? I bet he is. Probably not. No. Fuck him, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a, he's a big DC guy. When does that movie come out, June July? June 16th. Okay, June 16th. June 16th. There's another good movie coming out that day, too, and I can't remember what it is. Hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, so, uh, Ben... We'll definitely get him on here. I think you're gonna have a great time on that trip, man. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for Nick. Yeah, and also if you guys have any happy early birthday, Nick. If you have any, oh, he'll appreciate that. If you have any like to die for things to do in New York City, please message the podcast page. I'd love to know more. I just I went there when I was a real young kid and haven't been back since. So yeah, you got to get the soup dumplings. 
Oh, in Chinatown? We need to go to Chinatown? I don't know if it was in Chinatown or not. I think the place was called the Blue Orchid or something like that, where we went to a couple Asian places. Well, Martin's like all Man, about... he took us somewhere for these sweet dumplings, and they were sick. They were the sickest thing I ate up there. They were so good. He's like all about Chinese food. And as for like pizza and slices and shit, it's like, just go anywhere. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've heard... Somebody was telling me the other day, like, oh, you got to go to this spot. You got to make reservations for two days in advance for a slice of pizza. I'm like, for a slice of fucking pizza? Everyone's going to tell you to go to John's on Bleaker, John's on Bleaker, John's on Bleaker. It's fine. You know? Okay. But you just stumble across. Just When you know what, look in the window and take a look at the slices and be like, yeah, those fuckers look good. Go eat them. You know? Try it Now, out. is John's on Bleaker a hard slice of pie to get? No. Or, okay, it's not no. as busy as... No, it's fine. It's in the village. My whole thing is I want to go to Cat's Deli. Mm. I've been to Cat's Deli before. Good. Yeah, sure. Yeah, great. just like a big pastrami on rice sandwich. Big, big. I mean, you've eaten at Groobies, right? Groobies has very good deli sandwiches. Oh, I know. They approximate the, they approximate the New York deli experience, you know. Yeah, they're wonderful. Maybe not quite the massive sandwiches like that they have there, you know, but still a pretty big, um, you know, healthy tasting sandwich. Groobies. We got to do a Groobies lunch sometime soon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good lunch at dispensary. They had a really good burger. Their traditional burger, just a bacon cheeseburger, nice. See, if I go places with Matt and he gets a burger, he he always audibly says out loud whether it's good or not. Yeah, well, but your salad looked good. You had a you got a cop salad. Yeah, I got a cop salad. Yeah, I've literally seen you walk away from a place and go, "Worst burger I've ever had in my fucking life." That fucking yeah, well, I already called that one out on the pot. I don't want to call it out again. Yeah, fair. I'm starting to get upbeat. I'm in the mood. Let's not bring it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm getting too. I'm talking too much about New York. This Don't is, rain on my parade, Steve. This isn't a Woody Allen episode. <laughs> yeah, but we get to talk about food and you know, play cool shit to do and stuff like that. But, yeah, um, I'm excited for your trip. It's been a while since you've been up there, right? It's your first time. Oh, as a, very long. This is your full time. First time as a grown ass man being in New York City. Yeah, and Matt took a trip there a couple months back with our, you know, before mentioned friend Martin Lesh. And yeah. I was so jealous looking at every picture. I was like, these pieces of shit. It honestly actually kind of It was a life-changing trip for me. It was clutch. It was, it was a time for me to get out, get back up to the city and check it out. And um, it was really, really good to get there. It inspired me to book this trip for Nick. Yeah. 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 Cool stuff. So we got two discussion topics today. Yeah. That we're going to tackle. What, what order are you going on? Let's jump in on the movie we watched today. Which, by the way, I don't. there's nothing more depressing than going to see a movie and it not being great. And then walking out of a dark theater to one of the prettiest days of the year. I don't really get guilt like that about like weather guilt because it's so beautiful here all the time. But I get weather guilt. Yeah, you do big time, and that's cool. I mean, I understand it. Um, we go. To the, we've been going to these uh, matinees, guys. If you want to, if you want to be slick, Zach's got a thing that he does now. This is a, this is Zach Stevens' style to go see the movies with me. We'll, uh, we'll agree to go see a matinee. Meet the theater. And Zach knows that I'm so pathologically weird about getting into the movie right on time that if he's running late, which he tends to be, I just buy the tickets and I go and sit inside. I haven't even thought about it like Zach's that. Zach's got three free movies in a streak going now. We made that up through other means, though. Yeah. But you know, I'm like, I'm serious. Like, sometimes if the trailers start, like, I've gotten better about it, but I used to be like, if the trailers are rolling, I'm not going in. Fuck it. It's too late. It was like a crazy thing for me. Wait, like you complete? You just like give up the movie? If a movie is start, if I get, to, I won't get people. Some people are like, oh, there's the movie's only been playing for like 15 minutes. We can still go. But like, no. Yeah, the I trailers, whatever. I, I don't. The, I love the trailers. That's so I like to enjoy them. Yeah. But if we're, if I know it's like beyond the trailers and into the movie, I won't go. But I know so many people are just like, oh, well, you, you want know, to talk what? about some trailers we saw today? Yeah, sure. But some people are like, oh, well, what could we have missed? But some, I mean, so many films. The first scenes are 
Sometimes I highlighted this. No, no, no. I, I'm in the same boat, but I don't think I've ever missed the first minute of a movie. I, I just come no, in during no, no. trailers. No, no, no. I'm not using you. No, yeah. You get, usually get there during trailers, which is fine. And today I was there before them, but uh, pff, fuck, man. Trailers. Why are they showing me so many scary trailers? Yeah, so <laughs> th- 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 I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, we're sick. Of, we say we're sick of uh, comic book movies or, uh, or what Hollywood studios think is bankable right now. Uh, Hollywood clearly thinks that horror is bankable. Oh my god! Because horror movies are everywhere, including the one we saw today. Uh, we saw. How many, did we see a couple of horror trailers today? Or? Wait, you think the movie we saw today was a scary movie? It's a horror movie. Really? Yeah, it's about a fucking vampire. Oh, I guess it's kind of scary. Uh, no, I don't think it was scary, but it's a uh, horror, it's a horror comedy. Actually. Oh, okay, okay. Like, it's, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was trying to be. It fuck. It was a bad fucking. <laughs> it was <movie>. shit. <laughs> god, it's tough being picky, Stevens. I'm sorry. But this is a movie that we talked about. Yeah. Renfield, but the trailers we saw, uh, not many trailers really jumped out at me today. Dude, can I be honest about something? Yeah. What do you think about that Asteroid City trailer? Uh, It looks... What do you say to be honest about something? You feel like you see a little red flag? I just thought it was kind of boring. It looks almost over the toppy Wes Anderson-y. Yeah. Like Wes Anderson cranked a fucking 99. Too yeah. cute, too artsy-fartsy. Too weird. I mean, I'm going to watch it. Too bet- precious? Too precious. Like you too, get what yeah, I'm saying? No, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's that's what opens on June 16th, same day as The Flash. And also, I don't like how a ton of it is like shot outside. It's very bright, yeah. Because um, I think that's one of my favorite things about like Grand Budapest is there's so much variation of color and this movie's just like orange. Well, he decided, I think, that he wants to use orange or blue as the base of his palette because that's yeah. the background, you know. And he's all—he's very into well, color. I'm, I'm he's not very gonna... into color usage and stuff like that. I don't want to hate it though. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and that you know that's that's something I wanted to mention. Like, we're going to see it. I bet it's going to be good. It's going to be fucking good. But yeah. it seems a little too cute. Oh, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. What's the noise that Mister Fox makes? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's what I hear that. <laughs> I think. So yeah, we saw Asteroid City. Um, I can't even pay attention to Transformers trailers. I just tune out like as soon as they start. Oh my god, guys! This trailer makes me angry. I thought you liked this trailer. Though. Well, I, when I first saw it for the first time, it's funny how like you actually need to do things like two or three times to get your real opinions on them. You mean like sex? <laughs> I, I, I was gonna catch him. <laughs> took me a second to spell it out. Um. Anyways, uh, oh, you mean movie trailers? Yeah, sure, that too. <laughs> well, I just hate that, like, it's just the same, like, it's Transformers. It's cool to watch a car turn into a thing, you know? Yeah. But, <laughs> Matt, I want y'all to know his mind's in the fucking gutter, not mine. Oh, man. Yeah, hey, Transformers, those are cool effects. They are. Well, no, but I was going to say, what do you think about that terrible song they ran with as a part of the score? We have like a sim- oh, Biggie Smalls. We yeah. have like a symphonic, like it was juicy by Biggie Smalls. Yeah, y- yeah, but it's not. There's no like melody usage. It's just like it's like a fucking like Hans Zimmer. It's like a it's a mashup. Yeah, score, yeah. but in the back she's like it was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> then like Optimus Prime's like it's not done yet. It's like yeah. oh my god. Hey, your Optimus Prime impersonation is better than your Biggie Smalls impersonation, by the way. I'm going to let that one slide, though. I'm going to show a little more mercy than you show to me. That movie's going to be dog shit. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they all have been since like the first or second one. Yeah, well, does Michael Bay direct that? I didn't. Re- yeah. I don't think he did because when you drop when you drop Shia LaBeouf, the world goes to shit. They took out the beef. Where's the beef? Yeah, it's gone. Remember, like, like I don't. Okay, what's that movie that you talk about? Is it Weird Science where the the chick's wearing like the red lifeguard suit? What's the movie where the chick is in like the red lifeguard clothes in the eighties and like it like changed the trajectory of like many young men's lives? Oh, Phoebe Cates in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There you go. He was in a bikini. Yeah, but it's like Weird yeah. Science was different though. That was Kelly LeBrock. That was a John Hughes like Both science not. fiction. But no, she was the, in fa- a gym teacher suit. the Fast Time is what I'm talking about. Yeah, because like a lot of young men saw that and, and like. Are you gonna compare this to Megan Fox fixing Absolutely. the car? Absolutely, you're right. Because that was mine. You're right. Yeah, you there's saw one, where I was going. There's one like, difference, big difference between those two scenes though. One's blonde, one's brunette. Well, uh, boobies. One's got nudity. One doesn't have nudity. There's nudity in the Fast Times one. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back and watch been, that one. <laughs> you've been watching it on cable, probably. Damn. Damn. Imagine uh, Megan Fox like f- fixing the car in Transformers with no top on, and that would, then it would be equal to like, the Phoebe Gates scene. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that Megan Fox scene changed a lot. Now that that defines a sexy scene, because when I saw Transformers, I was like, Jesus, this is um, you know, it's hot stuff. Um, I just think, I just think, here's all I'm going to say. I think you're like a kid for a while, and like everything's awesome, and like your biggest concern is like, how long can I run around outside before the street lights come on? Yeah. And like sweat and stink and be a child. And then you go see Transformers at like 11 or 12. And then you see this and you're like, Oh my God, I love girls. You're like, I don't think I really care about baseball anymore. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. Good point. Man, she's beautiful. Another good example of like Michael Bay can shoot beauty really well. Apparently in real life, not too great a guy to women, um, including Megan Fox, but he does, uh, he does shoot him well. Um, so, yeah, Transformers movies, I don't get too hyped about them. Hmm. We saw some scary-ass trailers, The Boogeyman. The A24 movie is called, called Talk to Me, right? Yeah. Did, didn't we cover that last week? Uh, no, I think we were talking about something else. Did we cover Talk to Me, just you and I, for fun? Like, yeah, no, maybe we, we, I think we watched the trailer before we recorded That's it. right, yeah. That movie's going to be fucking weird. It looks good, and it's got a tremendous amount of hype. And, um, and the other one was... Uh, or you say the boogeyman? The boogeyman, the Stephen King. Okay, adaptation. so the boogeyman is uh, I couldn't I, when I, I couldn't believe when I saw a trailer for it. The boogeyman is based on a short story, probably from like 1974, from Stephen King's first collection of short stories. So it was called Night Shift. My parents had this book, and they were huge Stephen King fans. They had all his book. So me, as a sort of impatient young reader, let's say probably when I was like 10, 11 years old, I read Night Shift first of all the Stephen King. I'll eventually read all of it, and the boogeyman was absolutely the most terrifying short story I ever read in my life. I still think it's very, very scary. It's hmm. about a guy who is seeing a shrink talk to a shrink about his problems. He has, um, he's had some uh, deaths in his family. And he, it's like, it's a fucking, uh, he's got, there's a, he's got, there's a boogeyman in the closet of his kid's room and it kills like three of his babies, including like an infant is what it's about. But it's really ho- horrible, like, you know, horrible, uh, subject matter. Oh, okay. And really scary just about the way things happen. The guy's in denial. You know, the wife's like, something's wrong here, something's wrong. He's like, no, no, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. And it gradually loses all of his kids to the boogeyman. You know, and you know, at the very end of the story, he gets him too. Huh. It's a really scary story. No one wins. And I don't think that the movie's going to be exactly the same as that, but yeah. You know what's wild? Um, like, almost every man and woman like around your age, their first like depiction of like horror or telling like 
someone about horror is Stephen King related. Yeah, and it's almost well, and it could be from a movie too. Well, you know, Pet Cemetery or Shining, Cujo, yeah. Christine. Um, yeah, there's a whole the '80s just full Carrie. Carrie. Carrie scared the shit out of some But here's what I was going to say to you. If Stephen King isn't born, like, what's the trajectory of horror? I'm sure there's other prolific, you know, horror writers. That, you know, there's guys like Peter Straub and um, other ones I'm not thinking up off the top of my head. You just name, like, books. 12 iconic scary movies. Yeah, that's the, I'm scratching the surface of everything. I know. Yeah, you know, it says like uh, I think on one I think for one episode earlier I looked at how many books he had and how many adaptations there were, but uh, the but Van Sable in the Boogeyman is good. Hmm. Um, it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. It little seemed a little more implausible and not as quite as scary when I reread it as an adult. But Jesus, I mean, I was terrified of it. My sister and I just recently talked about it actually. Um, so yeah, in the Boogeyman, but these were precursors to the movie that we watched today that we discussed on the pod before. Because we said we first saw trailers for it, we're like, nah, yeah, doesn't seem good. Then we saw a recut, like a red band trailer for it. Said, I think we want to go check this movie out. And the movie's called Redfield. It just came out last weekend. Yeah. Oof. So Redfield is the story of Dracula's assistant servant, uh, familiar. They call it familiar, yeah, in the yeah. vampire community. Um, Redfield, played here by Nicholas Holt, who we discussed before from the menu. Also, Mad Max Fury Road, Fury Road, a bunch of. Um, uh, X-Men movies as Beast um, and some period projects as well. Really good actor. So we're here in his first leading man role. Yeah. Pitted against his boss, Dracula, played by Nicolas Cage. In the role he's been looking to play for his whole life. Nicolas Cage has always wanted to play Dracula, right? That's part of the reason he was in the movie for like a pay cut, correct? Yeah, he uh, he doesn't normally take roles unless they're leads. Yeah. Which is fair. You're Nicolas Cage. Prolific, but I wish he was a lead in this one because the movie suffered greatly when he was not in it. Yeah, I thought he was a. Anytime Nicolas Cage was on screen, I was having fun. Yeah, how would you describe his performance as Dracula uh, in this film? I would just say, Look what at you, the man, Nicholas Holt's handsome though, isn't he? Yeah, kind of is. Sorry, I was scrolling through some of these cast photos. Yes, yeah, so um, from the premiere. But uh, I, you you have used this phrase before, and it got me into. When you say someone's like off their ass in a scene or in a role, yeah. it usually means like they went balls to the wall and it's fucking wild. Yeah. I think he's kind of off his ass in this role. I think for, I don't disagree entirely. I think for, for many other actors, you'd say this is off their ass. I think for Nicolas Cage, it's about like a 6.5. You think about some of his okay. performances. What's, what's, what's like uh Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, Nicolas Cage at like 11. Okay. Um, uh, The Wicker Man. You ever see The Wicker Man? Isn't that that really weird like cult movie? Yeah. He's in that? Yeah. I thought that movie was from like the 70s. <laughs> yeah, it was a remake. There's a Wicker Man remake? Yeah, with Cage as the cop and the lead. Is it good? Sure. It's, it's crazy. It's really the, the 1973 version like... It's classic. Made people feel like weird. Yeah, yeah, very weird. Uh, but like Ari Aster, uh, Midsummer owes a lot. This Wicker than... Man remake has like terrible reviews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an entertaining watch. Ari Aster's thinking about doing it? No, Ari Aster... Basically like, did Wicker it. Wicker Man was definitely influenced by... Midsummer. Okay. Midsummer was definitely influenced by the Wicker Man. That makes sense. I mean, big, see, see right there, just from the fucking statue. So, we've got Renfield. This is a movie that don't knows, doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know if it wants to be a comedy, an action film, or a horror film. So it matches them all together. What's the plot of Renfield? Uh, basically, it follows... Renf I'm asking you because I don't know what it is, so I need you to help me out. 
Why don't you know what it is? I just don't like. I couldn't like wrap my head around like what the what's going on in this movie. Well, long story short, we have we have what, what do you call it? Like a dual plot. You have a you have two parallel storylines running yeah, maybe beside two, each other. Maybe two protagonists. This, yeah, for sure. This movie follows Renfield, played by Nicholas Hull and Rebecca Officer Quincy is her name, followed by or played by Aquafina. Basically, both of them have the same internal battle in their life. Renfield is in a toxic relationship and doesn't think you should be Dracula's familiar. It's like draining me to talk about this. They neither of them. They feel like they're serving masters. They shouldn't be serving. Exactly. In Renfield's case, it's the Lord of Darkness, and in uh, Aquafina's case, it's the New Orleans Police Department who are in second place on the Lords of Darkness list. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Because so they're in. She's cahoots. a cop. Her and her sister are cops. Yep. Um, their dad was murdered by a crime family. They're on like sort of one vengeance, the right way against the crime family, and then these threads get tied together. Yeah. So. You know, Renfield and Dracula get sort of mixed up with the crime family. Aquafina's on the case. A bunch of stuff happens, and then it's all sort of it tries to force itself together. Yeah, and I think Renfield it does really try. The mob to force wants to be down with Dracula. Together. You know, Renfield wants out. There's a thing going on with him and Aquafina romantically. Maybe, maybe not. No, for sure. Can't tell. Aquafina. <sighs> How do you say this actress's name, Maddie? Sure, Shora Agdashlu. That's, I was wondering. If that was it's a Shora Agdashlu. She was once Oscar nominated, I think for it's like called what's called like the House of Sand and Fog was a movie. Yeah, you see it. Her voice is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it wasn't always that raspy, but um, dude. Sounds, I mean, my voice sounds terrible right now too, so I can't go too hard on Shore Agadushlu today. Agadushlu. Yeah, she's a crime boss, and her son is um, her right hand man is a little shit. Ben Schwartz. Yeah, Ben Schwartz. Funny actor. John Ralphio from Parks and Recreation. Yeah, he's pretty funny in this, but even absolutely he, they, fucking terrible. This movie, get <laughs> yeah. off the screen. Someone kill this fucking guy. They do, but yeah, eventually. Yeah, not fucking till the last ten minutes. The what movie when he got he got karate kicked in the stomach and he just died. Yeah, he like exploded out of both holes. Was it poop that came out the back or was it blood? Blood. This is. Are you sure? Yeah. I think it might have been poop. This movie was like <laughs> it's gory. I don't know. It was super gory, but like comedy. Really bad gory. CGI. Yeah, that's like a. It's hard. The blood is like bubbly and colorful, like and just big splashes of it all over the place. It's not like gore gore. Yeah, I think if you want to like uh, take a movie to compare it to uh, that came out this year, my original thought would be like a, co- a cocaine bear because like, you know, they're both like not trying to take themselves too seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be funny. But my, my problem with this one was like they they fucking went balls in or th- like they doubled down on the plot, which is like. If this movie's about like a familiar ripping people's arms off and Dracula eating people, let me see Dracula eat more people. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And even though at some point in the first thirty minutes, I was like, "Wait a minute, is this all happening?" I was confused about the chronology of like scenes. Yeah, yeah. And that makes me feel stupid considering it's, it's not the most complex film ever made. But I'm like, "What's no. this movie?" Thank God is less than ninety minutes long. And I think that's pro- I think there's this went through a lot of editing and a lot of repiecing together. Sometimes a movie just feels like. We have to get a whole bunch of this stuff cut out and try to make what we can out of it and get it in the theater and try to get some of this money back. Sure. And um, I think that's what was going on with Renfield, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, but Nicolas Cage was a highlight of it, man. Uh, his makeup was cool. Yeah, I thought when he was on screen, I enjoyed the movie more. Yeah, yeah, he could be menacing and also funny. And unfortunately, because I liked Nicholas Holt, this movie did fall on its face, correct? Yeah, yeah, I, don't think, I, think, he's, I think he's... 
he seemed suited to be a leading man, but this wasn't the right kind of role for it. No. And Aquafina is miscast here. So he had to create chemistry with her, which I don't really think that they had. I think Aquafina, she's funny. I mean, she was okay in Shang-Chi, I think. Yeah, she's she's that all right. A, that was a better part for her, but not not so great in this. I don't know. She did make me laugh like really hard at one point in the movie, but I don't know if she's gonna win an Oscar. Yeah, she's not. Um, so Renfield, I don't know. It's strange. I guess sometimes your first impression is the right impression. You know, they say follow your gut. Because the first thing time I saw it, I was like, nah. And then I got back into it, but it was really it was it was rough. It was rough. I feel like there was, we were seeing some good flicks for a while. We had some good stuff to talk about. I don't want to come on here and like... And, well, no. We have, a, we have a lot to look forward to, though. I don't want to come on here and, like, and slam movies um, every week. The only movie I think I'm kind of interested in maybe slamming, though, is I think the new Fast and Furious movie. We could probably have a little fun with that one. I'm not going to go see that. Well, we, gotta, we have to go see it. You know, though, it's going to be long. I just want to talk about the stuff It about might be it. the first movie I ever fall asleep at. I just want to talk about the stuff, how like Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel has like the no, can't lose a fight clause in his contract for this. Dude, movies. he pulls two helicopters down with like a GTO. I thought, didn't he? Didn't he? No, the Rock pulled one down with a chain though. Like by hand. Oh. That's cool. Oh. Oh, yeah. So, who knows? Yeah, but you know, we like to, like to stay upbeat about stuff and we had some hopes for this movie. It was a miss. Uh, Renfield, not recommended. Mm-mm. No, you can't recommend that in good conscience, right, Stevens? Even if you're a vampire fan or you think it looks interesting, take the word from your good pals. It's not interesting. Are you a vampire fan? Yeah, I love vampires. And uh, I think a lot of people love vampires. It's one of the most beloved genres yeah. in horror, for sure. Not only in movies, but also on television, which I didn't even think about the at first, first. The first show I can absolutely remember my dad and uh, my ex-stepmom watching together is... Um, True Blood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, True Blood was I great. missed that boat, and I love HBO shows, but I've even been told to go back and watch it. Yeah, True Blood's cool. There's another situation where I think it's went on like too long, but um, I do love vampires, and I think a lot of people love them because there's an element of romanticism to it. Were you a Buffy guy? Yeah. Okay. I knew. I figured so, you were about to. Yeah, yeah. I was, was, was going to name check Buffy um, for sure. I don't mention that, but I, there's like a romantic element of a lot of vampire stuff. You know, yeah. the draw of the, the vampire, the immortality, you know, doomed forever. Because um, sometimes vampires are just cursed or turned into vampires against their will. We're once solid people. Um, the, the Dracula story has been told so many times in different formats. I mean, my, my first exposure to vampires was probably on... <laughs> my first exposure to vampires when I was a kid was a miniseries on TV called Salem's Lot. which was based on a Stephen King book. Oh, wow. It was really, really scary. Yeah. Go on YouTube and bring up Salem's Lot window scene. In the meantime, um, I'm going to keep talking about some vampire stuff. So that was like my first exposure. I was very scared. I watched lots of old school monster movies on Saturday afternoons. For some of our listeners that are a little more towards my generation, um, on, I've got on basic cable back in the day. Like the, um, <laughs> oh, there it is. But like the Sunday afternoon horror movies were a big thing. I don't know if I can, I, I probably won't be able to yeah, play no, this with audio even, yeah. while we're recording. Um, or hold on, let me make sure we're still okay. We're still recording. So we can hear it, but our viewers won't be able to hear. So it. you had like a creature feature, you know, um, movies every Saturday afternoon. Lots of were vampire movies, not necessarily like original Dracula, but uh, have you heard of Hammer Films before? No. Uh, it was a British uh, horror company that made uh, low budget movies in the sixties and seventies. Um, I could see this fucking me up. With like Christopher Lee um, from Lord of the Rings, he was uh, always Dracula and. 
Peter Cushing, and they just made a bunch of them. And that's what I'd see. And I, I liked vampire movies then. And then um, that's enough of that. I'm scared already. Yeah. Woo, that's creepy stuff, isn't it? So I had the old school movies that weren't really scary, but they are just entertaining and they were fun. And then as a teenager, the first cool vampire movie I saw, which I've written about and talked about like so many times, is uh, from 1987 to Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys. It's one of your favorite movies ever, no? It is. And, you know, sometimes I've, I question because, of, like, it's not even, like, I don't know how great a movie it is. It's a really good movie. It's a really cool movie. It's a really rock and There's roll There's a movie. vampire saxophone scene. He's not, he's not a vampire. Oh, he's not a vampire? No. Okay, you're mad. You look upset that That's, I got something wrong about this movie you like. It's speculation. I mean, you could say that maybe he is, but I don't think he is. Okay. But the town of Santa Clara is full of vampires. In the movie, but I like The Lost Boys because it was really hip and had the vampire gang, Kiefer Sutherland and his pals and um, good like battle against um, good battle against the other guys in the movie. Like Jason Patrick was the lead, but the Corys were in it, Corey Feldman and Corey Ham and they were Frog Brothers, like Vampire Hunters. Great rock soundtrack, sexy movie, uh, exciting, like good fights and everything. The Lost Boys was a big, big one for me. Um did you see The Lost Boys early in life, or did you just encounter it like... I, I watched it because of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing, another thing I'll say about The Lost Boys is the single most um, successful movie that I had when I did um, the repertory, when I did throwback films at Kalina Theater. Oh, highest, a lot of people showed up for that one? Sales, yeah, people love The Lost Boys. And, uh, and I do too. That's a popular one, though. Yeah. What What do you like? What's, what's some of the vampire shit that you like? I mean, if I just had to give you like a, a quick... Rundown of stuff that uh, that has left a laugh, a lasting impression on me. From a funny standpoint, I think the hardest I've ever laughed in my life was the first time I watched um, a movie from New Zealand comedy writers Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. They made a movie called uh, "What We Do in the Shadows." Nailed it, Stevens. Nice job. And um, the first time I watched that, I was instantly hooked to their comedy style. I never saw Flight of the Concords or their other yeah. their other projects, but um, wow. When I saw what we do in the shadows and watch these dorky vampires in a mockumentary <clears throat> setting, I, I truly was like enthralled. And then FX and Hulu grabbed a show. When you think they can't do better, right? Yeah. Literally to some fans and maybe to me, the show in that cast might be funnier than the original movie. It's a, it's well, a tough call, man. They knew that they had to, to jump at the American market. Yeah. And, you know, I, there is some like British New Zealand esque humor in the original movie that maybe I didn't pick up on at first, but um, what we do in the shadows is in your face. I mean, we have some of the funniest, the absolutely hysterical movie. Some of the funniest actors I've ever seen. Um, Matthew Barry, I think, is one of them, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Matt Barry is Laszlo. Uh, Natasha Dimitriou is um, oh, Nadja. Nadja uh, and. I just, um, I always say like, I watch... Van Novak plays Nandor the <laughs> yeah. Relentless. Nandor the Relentless. And then of course... Uh, and I watch his show and say like, this is my favorite vampire. No, that's my favorite yeah. one. Like they're really, god damn, it's funny. I, if there's a comedy that we could ever recommend, a comedy series, what we do in the shadows has yeah. got to be one of them. Oh, for sure. And um, and it's good vampire comedy. And there's, I've, I've seen a lot of other vampire comedy in my life too. Did it not feel like the movie we saw today, Renfield, was kind of reaching for what what we do in the shadows has been able to achieve? Uh, yeah, in a way. I even in, like, even in like lighting, like even in the way it was shot. It had some of the color palette stuff that Shadows yeah. uses, I think. Um, but they, they, I mean, they missed the mark by far. But it's a good thing to aspire to. They just, um, 
they didn't they didn't quite hit it and um, no. it's a shame. So and what we do in the shadows ongoing shows on FX streams on Hulu. You can check it out. I'm always talking about it on social media, and there's a lot of fans. We know a lot of Shadows fans out there. Me and my me and uh, my best friend Quinn, we always quote the scene. Um, these this group of uh, they're all roommates. The group of these three dimwit vampires, they take out the head vampire. This man named the Baron. The Baron, yeah. And uh, all this guy wants to do is try pizza yeah. pie. <laughs> this vampire just wants to eat New York City pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to his own detriment, you can't. Those guys can't eat anything. Yeah, they can't eat. But no, it makes him real sick. But but no, um, the poor Baron. So yeah, like what we do with the shadows is some of my favorite vampire material of all time. Yeah. Um, and since we're talking about television shows, well, what did you think about that scene from that show? They just do you think that was creepy? What you just showed me, the yeah. Salem's Lot scene? I mean, I thought if I was a kid in the early 80s, it's I would when you're shit seven. my pants. It's creepy when you're seven, trust me. It's like yeah, no I'm doubt. surprised that didn't make me go up to my closet in my room and cry. <laughs> it might have for all I care. I remember just being scared of it for years. But uh, since we're talking about television, this is actually something that was recommended to me by our pal Sarah Joey Clement. She said, well, if you're doing a vampire episode, you better talk about Buffy. Yeah. Right? Buffy the Vampire Slayer was originally a movie in 1992 starring Christy Swanson in the total role. Paul Rubens was in it. Rucker Hauer as the bad guy vampire. And it sort of missed the mark. It was ambitious, but not not a great movie. It goes dormant for a while. And then the now disgraced uh, producer and writer Joss Whedon gets his hands on the property. turns it into a television series for the WB, which becomes like a landmark for television horror, um, feminist culture. Yeah, she crushed. Uh, excellent allegory of going, growing from a teenager into an adult with difficulties that women face, difficulties that guys face, uh, about adolescence. And um, it basically framed high school as hell. Their high school, Sunnydale, was over a hell mouth, like a portal to hell. And Buffy was not a vampire, but she's a vampire slayer and a good one. Um, and portrayed by the great Sarah Michelle Gell- Geller, um, lauded for her performances. This show, like, people always laugh at me when they say, I love Buffy. Have you ever seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I was obsessed with this show. A couple episodes, not, uh, didn't watch the series, though. So, it started out, it started out with, like, baby, it started out, like, a little bit, like, a toddler, you know, but then by, like, episode, by, by season two or three, like, it was in full stride. How many seasons, Stevens of Buffy? Um, it says episode got 145 episodes, but I don't know. It's probably seven, it was seven seasons, eight seasons. Um. And it was a, it was a great seven show. seasons. Yeah, this was event television for me, man. I would have like the VCR like program. No, I know it's huge. It's a phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, and it's a great show. Uh, but it's you know, but a lot of people know about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What other kind of vampire stuff? Well, I have a couple. I have a couple deep cuts that I can recommend. Uh, this isn't a deep cut, but I do have to talk about something I was an extreme fan of for a really long time. Oh, here, when I you, see it. I listen, see it when you grow up in middle school. With a sister that is 13 months older than you, you tend to like what they like, and shamelessly. When I tell you that I was there for every step of the Twilight phenomenon that swept this nation, I was. What do you think about Twilight, Maddie? I think it's all right. I mean, I never read the books. I watched all the movies. Well, if you go back now and rewatch them, the acting is some of the worst you'll ever see in your life. But I mean, dude, I'm like me. Not and my by si- Kristen Stewart. Are you gonna say that about my girl? Case do. I mean, she's pretty bad in them. But I was just gonna say, like, like there was just nothing like waiting for like Eclipse to come out or or New Moon, and like it was just a big deal, like movie wise. I like science fiction and fantasy, you know, as you know. Um, I love it, but actually, I was a little hesitant to get in this one, maybe because I, I was under the misconception I thought it was a little bit too teeny. I eventually yeah. submitted to watching the films because 
a couple girls that were friends of mine that were roommates that really loved watching the movies, so I'd be over there kicking it. We'd smoke one, I'll lay on the couch and watch Twilight. Fun hang, you know. Well, now it's almost like, uh, what's the word? By like? the end, I was going to see him in the theater. I saw like Breaking Dawn in the theater. Well, it's like camp now. Like yeah. now it's Somewhat. like, it's like funny to go back and watch these movies. <laughs> yeah, to an extent. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just remember being like hooked on him at the time. And actually a funny story. When I was in the third grade, I read Stephanie Meyer's original Twilight, the first book. Right. And my teacher had called my parents because they didn't think that me reading Twilight or, or my dad might not remember this, but to a Rhonda, little too mature subject. Yeah, matter. it was a little too mature subject matter to read Twilight in third grade or whatever. But you know, whatever, fucking book. Seems about the right level to me. So I can handle. Well, you it. know, interestingly <laughs> enough, both those the leads there, you know, who got a lot of flack, Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, have become both great actors. Yeah, I mean, in, for their, in their own right. Him re- more recently, and some of the stuff he's done, Good Time with A twenty four, Batman with Reeves, and then her, she just got Oscar nominated two years ago for what Spencer. Portraying Di- Princess Diana, no? She's, I think she's amazing. I love her. Yeah. And I love Pattinson, too. Did and you sometimes, go- you know, there's just a material you can only do so much with. Yeah. I think. And they were and they were kids when they did it, too. They were pretty young. But swept the fucking globe. I mean, it's way bigger than, like, Hunger Games and shit like that. Uh, I- yeah. I mean, probably second only to, like, Harry Potter. Yeah. You're probably Were there right. any vamps in Harry Potter? Werewolves, but no vamps. Vamps. I mean, no. I mean, Voldemort would suck the blood from, like, unicorns and shit, but... I'm going to give you two quick uh, deep cuts on vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me. If you really love the vampire genre and you want to check out something interesting, two movies. One is from 1980, and it's called The Hunger, and it's directed by Tony Scott, Ridley Scott's brother, a very highly stylized, very cool director in his own right. Um, let me direct Top Gun, amongst many, many, many other movies. The Hunger is about a sort of a love triangle about vampires, where the vampires are played by the beautiful Catherine Deneuve, French film legend Susan Sarandon very early in her career and the guy none other than the dearly departed David Bowie do you guys think this movie is sexy if you do you're very very correct so it is a very atmospheric very sexy movie it's got an 80s color palette you know so it's lots of blues and blacks and yeah. um, odd lighting um, very charismatic actors who's the vamp Bowie uh, Deneuve and, v- and Bowie are the vamps Okay. And they're trying to bring Sarandon into the gang, and uh, good, so good, good, like synth uh, orchestral soundtrack. Nice. Uh, the Hunger, yes, directed by Tony Scott, one of his first movies. Um, it's a cult movie worth checking it out. Yeah. That is probably the second on the list. The ultimate cult vampire movie of all time, in my opinion, hmm. is Near Dark from 1987. Have you heard of Near Dark before, Stevens? No. Near Dark is the directorial debut of Catherine Bigelow. You know who Catherine Bigelow well, of is? Of course, I know Catherine Right, Bigelow. James Cameron's ex-girlfriend, or yep. ex-wife, rather. Uh, used to produce stuff with him, became a great director in her own right. She did Hurt Locker, no? Yes, yeah, and okay. won Oscar for Best Director for that. That's what you I got heard. Paxton on the box right there, gnarly. Bill Paxton is in it, Lance Henriksen. A couple other actors from Aliens are in it. And it's, a, it's like a vampire western. Hmm. About a sort of roving band of vampires. Like Sounds badass. Going across the West, yeah. And uh, it's a very, again... Uh, I like vampire movies to be stylized in some fashion or another. Yeah. You know, they always got like a cool thing going. And uh, she was trying to make a Western and she couldn't get funding for a Western. So she's like, I can get money for a vampire movie. She said, she said, fuck it, I'll make a vampire Western. And that's what she did with Near Dark. And um, I think when you have discussions with vampire movie nerds and horror nerds, you're going to hear Near Dark probably. If we're talking about this subject, you're going to hear Near Dark probably within the first five minutes. 
talking to him. So um, sometimes available to stream, sometimes not. But you can find it online for sure. Do you remember this flick? And I recommend it big time. Did you ever see 30 Days and 30 Nights? <laughs> you mean 30 Days of Night? Oh, sorry. 30. Yeah, sorry. 30 I think days. it was 30 Days and 30 Nights, too. That's the, a rom-com, right? Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I meant 30 Days of Night. 30 Days and 30 Nights is about abstinence. Is it? I think Josh Hartnett, I think Josh Hartnett's in both of them. One's about him trying not to bone, and the other one's about him trying to get eaten by vampires. <laughs> okay, so I fucked it up. <laughs> Anyways... Yeah, 30 Days of Night is cool. I mean, I, I saw it like once, but it was based on a comic, a graphic novel. Yeah, I just thought the premise was crazy. And I was a fan of the, the vampires were very gnarly. Um, it had Danny Houston in it, who's always a good movie bad guy. Yeah, fuck yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, he's solid. And those so, black dead eyes that they give him. Yeah, crazy. yeah. Well, I like, um, yeah, I like 30 Days of Night. Love Ben Foster, too. Man, yeah, he's always good at playing a weird, he's crazy. He's huh. always played like crazy characters, intense characters, Ben Foster. Yeah, like uh, in Hell or High Water. Yeah. What a good flick. Do you see Alpha Dog? Fuck yeah, but that movie makes me cry. Yeah, it's sad, but Ben he goes into that house party and starts karate kicking everyone and like, yeah. oh my god, that movie, yeah, that movie is very sad. You know what it's else he's really good at and crazy? You ever seen Three Ten to Yuma? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck. Surefire. If you need a, if you need a uh, crazy uh, like a trigger happy movie wacko, call Ben Foster's agent. Good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I think that's I feel like it's a good handful of good vamp. Oh, one last thing I'd like out. to mention about vampire movies in the future, and and I've I've mentioned this in the in the past. I think two episodes ago, three episodes. Robert Eggers, one of my favorite weird fucking just dark drama, scary. Tell about what are directors movies. Oh, he he's directed The Witch. He he works primarily with A twenty four. He's done The Witch. The Lighthouse, and then more recently, The Northman with mm. Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. All three good movies. They all hit. We love The Northman. He has gotten the keys to the castle to direct the newest version of Nosferatu, which... The original vampire film directed by F.W. Murnau in like yeah. 1920. And do you know yeah. who's playing Nosferatu in this movie? Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. How fucking weird is that? He rounded out the cast with some other cool people, well, too. It's got girlfriend of the podcast on Taylor Joy in it. Who's um? I think Bjork, I think York's in it as well. Guys, please forgive me. I've had a cough that I can't get rid of for like a month, so I'm sorry. I have to keep coughing. <clears throat> I think he cast a cool Van Helsing too, but that might be speculative. But yeah. Sarsgaard is on board as Nosferatu. Now I don't know how well you remember this. <laughs> we saw a trailer today about a sh- a ship horror movie with Dracula on board a vessel. Yes, yes correct. Do you remember the last the name of that movie? Uh, something about the Treader, Last Voyage of the Treader. Yeah. Okay. I said I'd watch it. You said fuck this movie. Yeah, man, I was not. I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> I wasn't feeling the trailer at all. But I like historical, like t- I like period pieces like that. And, yeah, you know. Yeah. So. So yeah, so always stuff's always worth checking out. But you can't always judge by trailers, you know. If you could, we would have really enjoyed Renfield, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how are we looking on time, buddy? I know you got a gig tonight. Have we gone too long to get into our other topic? We have. We have uh, about fifteen minutes. I can spare. Okay. That's about it, though. All right, cool, cool. Well, then uh, we will do this because I said we were going to talk about it. I think some people are excited about it. For the first time ever, we're doing an anniversary celebration. Yeah. We're giving a shout-out to a movie on its anniversary. In this case, it's the anniversary of one of my favorite films of the 1980s. One of my favorite films of all time, starring one of my favorite actors, done by one of my favorite directors. And to go into detail, that list is from 1988, directed by Tim Burton and starring the great Michael Keaton. It's Beetlejuice. 35th anniversary. That's crazy. I love Beetlejuice. Me too. I can't even say how many times I've seen this movie. 
I just, it's a lot. Give me a rough estimate. Uh, well beyond 50, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot to do with HBO. And, uh, and you know, VHS back in the day. Beetlejuice is... Uh, it's interesting to me on so many counts um, because of the talent that's involved in it relatively early stages in their career and because of the, the conceit of it, um, a ghost story, but it's like a reverse haunted house movie. It's about ghosts that get haunted by humans, kind of, in my opinion. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, yeah. I, 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 just, I love it, yeah. So the story of Beetlejuice, uh, once originally called House Ghosts, Beetlejuice, better title. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're gonna. Well, I'm gonna tell some. I did a little homework, Stephen. So I found out some funny stuff about Beetlejuice on the way up, and the uh, the studio hated the title Beetlejuice. So Tim Burton was a very cynical, like funny you know, guy. He said, "Maybe you should call it Scared Sheetless." And the studio was like, "We love it. We're going with it." And he was like, "Dude, I was fucking kidding." He's like, "We're not calling it Scared Sheetless." Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, Beetlejuice is the story of a young married couple, portrayed here by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. They get their dream home. They're starting out a life together. What are their character names? Uh, in this flick, uh, you go ahead. I'm. I'm. Oh well, you're the producer. You're supposed to have it ready. I, well, podcast. I was reading Goofs. Uh, Adam and Barbara. Yeah. Adam and Barbara, newlyweds, get their dream yeah. house in Vermont. Nice little quaint country neighborhood. And they die. They get yeah. They get in a little car accident. And they drown. They crash through a crashing through a covered bridge. Very sad. But they don't. They don't pass through directly to the afterlife. They're, they're, they they want to come back because of this home and everything. So they're sort of living in the home as ghosts having a fine time until the intruders, the haunters of the story, you know, in my opinion, come. And that's the Dietz family, which is, uh, uh, well, fits Jeffrey Jones and Catherine O'Hara, the parents. And um, in one of her earlier film appearances, official girlfriend of the Good Pals podcast, Winona Ryder. Oh, no. As Lydia Dietz. You don't like Winona? I love her, but she's not like girlfriend material. What? Man, you're shallow, dude. You need a soulful goth girl in your life like that, like Lydia. <laughs> Strange and unusual. Yeah, well. Lydia Dietz. We love her. So, <laughs> the Dietzes come in. They take their quaint country home built on a beautiful hill in Vermont. That was built for the production, by the way. I read an article oh, wow. about uh, the for. The, the, the house on the hill there, the road up to it and everything. Bo Welch was the production designer. He's now become probably the most acclaimed production designer in Hollywood. And Tim Burton and another guy on the uh, on the art team drove around Vermont for weeks just looking for locations. Because he was like, back then there was no internet. You know, you sort of had to just drive around and find it. Yeah. And they really did find like that beautiful, that beautiful like little town. Um, the Dietzes move in and immediately... Put in all kinds of obscene, like Art Deco, not obscene but tacky. Yeah, very art tacky. everywhere, and the and then you know uh, Adam and Barbara are just you know at their wits end, and uh, they're trying to get they, they go to, they go to like the afterlife, which is like what's the afterlife like in this movie? Fucking weird. It's like a DMV. Yeah, and yeah. that was Michael Keaton's idea, a suggestion that he actually made along the yeah, way. Yeah, it is like, like a DMV. A, okay, eternal office with to take a number and they have a they have a, they have an advisor. Uh, who gives them suggestions on haunting the Dietzes to get them out of the house? <coughs> and now, do you remember what they tried? Some of the some of the like the first haunting things that they do. No, not off the top of my head. They try the sheets. They do like the sheets. The ghosts like oh the ghost sheets. They okay. Lydia. They're like we're ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And Lydia, of course, loves the ghost because she's she herself wants weird to die and go over to the other side. Gothy girl, yeah. But they're they're they, when they take the big swing at um at haunting them the Dietzes, what they do is uh become a famous scene set to Harry Belafonte's the banana boat song. Yep. Where they possess the dinner guests. Also known as Deo to many other people. Deo. Yeah. And they dance around the table and they're possessed and they dance around the table and then the shrimp comes alive with giant arms and grabs their faces and throws all the people like away from the table. Yeah. But they love it. They don't want to leave. They will start having parties and entertaining people and like showing off their ghosts. (laughs) So in their attic, the Dietzes have a nice little model of the town. And there's a little troublemaker that keeps... uh, Sort of, sort of brazzing them that lives inside their model. Have you ever been to a dinner party like the Deets recently? Yeah. <laughs> I've been to some weird dinner parties. Do I we, love dinner parties. No, but do we know a couple that reminds you of these people? <laughs> I can't say it on air. <laughs> Fuck, I feel like I'm missing out on something good. Stevens, Stevens is about to gossip with me on the show. <laughs> he never does this. I can't. He never does this. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There is another haunting option, though. And they've been uh, hearing about this guy and, like, the paper that all the ghosts read. And uh, he's got some ads in there. And he lives in a model in their attic. And this guy's a real troublemaker. He's a bioexorcist. Oh. And he's dangerous. And he's a horny little devil. And his name is Beetlejuice. Can I ask you something? Why is his name spelled the way it's spelled? In the movie, but not as the title of the movie. Betelgeuse is it B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E? Yeah. I'm not sure either. That's the it's name of the star weird. system, Betelgeuse. Oh, okay. And it could be, and it might get biblical too. Hmm. The original script, he was a, he was a demon. I don't guess he's a demon in this too, but a little more menacing. And like people to this day have like still dressed up as Beetlejuice for yeah, really, uh, Halloween. And- yeah, really sort of uh, enduring like character design. Um, Beetlejuice is... A lot to deal with, and he is heavily advised by their afterlife uh, coach to not summon him. There's only one way to summon him. Say his name three times. Yeah. You got to say my name three times. <laughs> that was a pretty good impression. I know. I've seen Beetlejuice so many times. I just am always like, oh, man. Uh, say, I'm the ghost with the boost. But um, <laughs> I think I'm going to watch this tonight. Yeah, so it does, like they, they, they're at their wit's end trying to get rid of this couple, uh, couple and... They bring Keaton in. Michael Keaton turned down this role two or three times. And the produ- one of the producers on the film, David Geffen, very famous Hollywood executive, eventually uh, talked him into it. Tim Burton was interested in Sammy Davis Jr. to play this role. That's kind of crazy. He was very much like a showman and entertaining and everything. And um, Keaton turned it down. Makes sense. I mean, Keaton turned it down and took the part. Uh, so glad he did it. Still, he says, one of, if not his fam- favorite role. Of all time, but it was his idea. The makeup and hair and the mold and stuff was all his idea. He was encouraged by Tim Burton to improvise. Said he ad-libbed 90% of his lines in this movie. Yep. I believe it. Saying words. You hate him, right? I hate him, too. (laughs) (laughs) I I I like that one a lot. I like the one where he goes to, like... He builds like a little. He builds a. He builds a brothel in their little neighborhood, like tabletop neighborhood. I remember because he wants to see. Needs, and he's needs. like tiny. He on wants the, to yeah. on the table. He yeah. wants to get a little action. I'll be a little uh, anxious if you know what I mean. <laughs> now, are these sandworms uh, an homage to the Dune? They're sandworms? very similar to the Dune sandworms. They're yeah. the only non-practical effects in the movie. Yeah, they're kind of crazy, but they're, that's what makes a Burton movie feel like a Burton movie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You can see you can see Tim Burton's aesthetic, aesthetic, pardon me, all over this picture. 
which is interesting to me because this is his second full-length feature film. He like took this job. He was he was doing post-production on Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Another movie that I absolutely love when he took this job. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder what this you look back calls. on it now and you listen to the music. Danny Elfman did the score, of course. Um, so, Tim Burton's like, first like three movies were Pee-wee's Big Adventure with Danny Elfman, Beetlejuice with Danny Elfman and Michael Keaton, and then Batman with Danny Elfman and Michael Keaton. Yeah. And then Batman Returns. So and t- he's go- he's directed thirty nine movies, something like- he's directed thirty nine projects, a lot of films. What do you think about t- Tim Burton's modern films? Like, are we talking about his um, like how mo- like are we talking about his animated f- films? Like, uh, somewhat. I mean, more like Frankenweenie. <laughs> Frankenweenie. Frankenweenie's good. I think the last Tim Burton movie I loved was like Big Fish, probably. No, that but, um, movie's fucking weird. Though. You know, like, but the, like, the, the, but like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factories and the um. Oh, um, I always thought the and, new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory always made me feel a little uneasy. I didn't think it was that good. I think these movies have lost a little bit of the soul that they used to have to them. Yeah, and um, and Beetlejuice just felt like, even in a toned down. This movie was a PG thirteen. The script was toned down, but even for me seeing it, like Beetlejuice is like he was kind of dangerous. You know, it was like it's kind of it was scary, and you're really pulling for the details and. Now you don't feel that way about um, um, Edward Scissorhands, do you? No, I like Edward Scissorhands. Okay, because so it's almost like he went all in still, on that's still a really early career for him. You know, yeah. over, over, greatly speaking. But there's Pee Wee, like from Pee Wee to Edward is like seven seven years. Yeah. Scissorhands, nineteen ninety. Um, I believe so. Yeah. So I mean, he does. He does Pee Wee. He does Pee Wee, Beetlejuice, Batman, Batman Returns, and Edward Scissorhands right in a row. Whew. Nice five star right there, huh? What a run! Um, and he did more shit down the line. I like I like Mars Attacks. His animated stuff is probably the most influential on my like childhood. Yeah, of course, uh-huh. Bride, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, uh, well, he didn't he didn't direct Nightmare Before Christmas. He produced that. Henry Seeler directed that. Yeah, but I mean, that movie's got like Burton all over it, though, right? Yeah, yeah, to an extent. Henry Seeler feels a different way about it, but I think it's got Burton all over uh, it. You can see it, yeah. you know. Uh, but the score. I'm thinking about the music. This is in my head right now as I'm talking. Man, those Elfman scores really are like iconic. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. But um, I love Beetlejuice. It had a whiff of danger to it, and it's got an exciting climax. It had the musical numbers were like two big beloved things. Both Harry Belafonte songs. <laughs> At right. the end, when Winona Ryder dances with the ghost, the football ghost, to shake, 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 Sonora, jump in the line. I gotta watch Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was one of those. Zach, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you ever seen Beetlejuice? At least five <laughs> or six times. I just this the, Beetlejuice was one of those movies. Was, you're stuck with a big Beetlejuice nerd right now. That's what's going on. Well, no, it's just when I was a kid, I was. That's a movie like my dad forced us to watch. Hey, look, it's Elvis. Yo, King. <laughs> <laughs> so you can really you can tell you. I love Keaton, and uh, apparently, I don't want to get everyone too excited, but it is now apparently official official. That Beetlejuice 2 is a go. Get out. Starting production this year with Keaton and Jenna Ortega and Winona Ryder committed. I could. I, oh, what is Jenna going to be like her daughter now or something? I'm pretty sure she's going to play Lydia's daughter. Makes sense. Yeah. Great choice. Yeah. You know? But Keaton is in. I think they've been waiting for the right script for years. It's been in and out of development. Apparently it's a real deal now. <laughs> in a couple of years from now, we could be doing a Beetlejuice 2 review. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. I'm yeah. just laughing at your impression. I'm still thinking about just the shit you're saying. The Elvis one got me. He says that the, the switch uh, tickets with the witch doctor 
in the waiting room at the, the afterlife. Yeah. The doctor's got like number three or number 13. It says now serving 12. Beetlejuice has like 4 billion, 365. Oh, yeah. And he, did, he goes, hey, look at this. Yo, gang. And he switches tickets with the <laughs> with the witch doctor. But then the witch doctor shrinks his head. Oh, that's at when his head gets tiny in the chair. Yeah. yeah. All, the, all those effects. Like, remember, like, in the, all the different people in the waiting room? Like, the, the guy burned himself with a cigarette. was just smoking cigs on the chair. Hmm. He was like ashes, like a skeleton of ashes with a weird face. There was a girl that was cut in half by a magician, so just her legs were there. Uh, see, and, I got to revisit and this. And Beetlejuice, you... like, you feel, like, feel the legs. Tim Burton's girlfriend plays the legs. Oh. Lisa Marie, he's in all those movies. Still together now? Uh, no. Oh. Lisa, but she's in, like, she was, uh, like, Vampira and Ed Wood, and she was the foxy alien in Mars Attacks. Okay. Um, she's in Planet of the Apes. Tim Burton puts his chick in all of his movies. Whoever his girlfriend is at the time when Burton. he makes a movie, he puts them in the movie. He's no dummy. Burton did the uh, Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes? Yeah. That one's like the worst one. Yeah, it is. It was, yeah, definitely. What do I say? Flawed but ambitious. Same yeah. Kind of deal. Flawed, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But Not man, even. Beetlejuice is 35. Makes you feel a little bit old. Uh, the first movie I almost held hands with a girl at. Pinky touching. Almost? Pinky touching. The prettiest girl in my school, in my opinion. Eighth grade. I was in seventh grade. One of the cool girls. Your somehow pinky, ended up sitting next touching? to her. Sit, somehow ended up sitting next to her. It was like the outsiders. Like, I think her... And her friends got in a fight with the guys they were at the movies with. So me and my pals all ended up sitting next to them and talking to these girls that would never give us a time of day in a million years. And we talked like through the whole movie. And I don't think that we might have held hands, but I'm not sure if we did or not. But I know there was definitely like a pinky touching going on. And I was absolutely losing my fucking mind. I was so excited. Oh, my God. I don't think she talked to me again for like two years or so. Dude, you probably were so happy for like... We would have future encounters together at some good times. Oh. But not immediately after. Will that. you show me this chick after this episode? Sure. Day? I was just a, I was just a chubby shy kid, you know. Aww. I'd come out of my shell at the time, but I was I was feeling uh, I guess I was feeling froggy because I was being like you know trying to be funny. And I love it. It's like you get a chance to be cool, man. Go for you get it. A chance to be cool with this girl, Amy. Like you got to take it. Oh yeah. And I took it. Well, Maddie, it was fun. Yeah, I got to I got to run. Unfortunately, Steven's got a gig tonight, guys. I think. Do you feel better than when we started? Yeah, I get sure. excited as we go along, man. I yeah, me too. Once time. we get just talking, I'm down to talk. So yeah, I'm sorry if it was a little discombobulated today, guys. We sort of we had to get in the mood, but I think we got in the mood. Yeah, and uh, we'll have some more stuff. We we haven't decided what we're going to do next week yet. We'll figure that out. But until then, I want to thank you guys for listening. Friendly reminder: pop in there with some five star reviews and uh, some comments if you wish. And uh, we will see you next week on the Good Pals Podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs>